0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Central in Janesville, the sermon podcast for the Janesville campus of Central Christian Church. Today we've got a short devotional podcast to go along with our regular Sunday sermon podcasts. This is your campus pastor, Kellen Anderson. For the podcast today of our Easter service, we were doing some stories of hope and so it's split up into a couple different segments an interview with my wife giving her story of hope and also an interview with Julia Brooks giving her story of hope uh, along with some teaching from myself Kellen Anderson Uh, so it might be a little choppy for you but I just want to let you know that was what was going on in this podcast thanks Hey everybody we're talking stories of hope today and I wanted to bring Crystal my wife into uh, this conversation right now some of you maybe don't know her super well Uh, She is the love of my life. We've been married for 17 years, uh, together for 22. I'm always the one who remembers the dates because I'm, you know, romantic like that and whatever. Uh, But um, when we first started dating, Crystal was going through a darkness that I didn't quite understand even then. And so I just wanted her to share uh, her story of hope.
1: Um, I remember in late middle school when I began to really look at everyone around me and Um, take note of all their successes, their talents, um, and really start, and their beauty too, and really start combining everything that I saw, the best of everything that I I saw, and I decided that I should just be that person. Um, So I began seriously devoting myself to becoming that. Um, I focused on eating, and in order to be more beautiful and run faster and do better, I would just eat less. I was obsessed about working out. I would work out morning, noon, and night at sports practice. Um, and that just became an obsession um, in my life. And I would focus on studying. I would, I would study until my eyeballs would fall out. I was studying so hard. And um, I really did everything. It just, nothing seemed to be enough. Nothing seemed to, to get me faster or stronger or more beautiful. Um, and it was, in fact, someone, I was trying to become somebody that didn't even exist. I made up this person that I wanted to be and she was really not even out there. Um, It was unreasonable, it was completely destructive and I lost the ability to accurately assess my own life in the moment. Um, I remember feeling overcome with exhaustion of trying to do it all and be it all and master it all.
0: The thing that I fell in love with you probably most about, uh, besides being awesome in every way I could I could tell Um, your love for Jesus was awesome, even when we first uh, started dating. Um, And sometimes I think as Christians, we have this thing where we're like, well, I follow Jesus. I shouldn't be, my life shouldn't be messed up. Um, But our lives get messed up sometimes. What was it? Even though you loved Jesus and followed Jesus, why do you feel like you still struggled in this darkness?
1: Um, You know, I always adored what Jesus did for me. My parents showed me Jesus at a young age and I always wanted to do what was right in his eyes, but I was living a life I felt I was always, that was always certain. I felt I was always stepping strong and where I believed that I was in charge of my own outcomes and I just couldn't keep up. Um, Life got more complicated. My struggle got more complicated and sometimes life just gets complicated, even when you're close to Jesus. Um, The longer I held on to the struggle, the struggle grew. The more I starved myself, the more I worked out, the more I studied. And I remember feeling like I was standing outside of my own body, looking in and just wondering if I would ever have the courage to show up, um, for my true self to show up. And that's when I really, that was the moment in my life where I was like, I gotta get this together.
0: And and sometimes that's what it comes down to. Um, We can know everything that Jesus did for us, uh, but there's a place sometimes where it's like, okay, I've I've gotta trust what Jesus has actually done for me. Um, You know, there's about three of the five years we dated that I didn't really even understand how you were struggling with an eating disorder. Um, what was it that finally kind of got you to that place where you, you put your hope in Jesus?
1: You know, it was a handful of people that were real in my life. It was my parents and my sisters. Better say me. It was you yes. and a good friend. Um, and they weren't afraid of loving me the way that Jesus loves me. They were. They really just chose to love me in the struggle that I was in, knowing that they were hurt watching me. Um, it was choosing to believe them and speak out the truth and bring it to light. You know, he, hope for me is when I look at hope and I think about God, I, I know that he's not falling off his throne because of me, because of my struggle. You know, he promises it, he expects it. He knows I'm gonna struggle. That's why he sent Jesus to save me from it. Um, and I couldn't do enough and I still can't do enough to now to win his approval. He's already approved of me when he chose me, when he chose to die for me. Um, and really, if I can sum it all up in a word, which is what Kellen has taught me more um, than anybody else in my life, is to give myself grace because God gave me grace. Um, I'm human and that's what I'm supposed to be. And God gives me grace to save me from my humanness. And if I remember that, then hope will always be alive in my life.
0: See, that right there is a story of hope. And hope comes down to, if we know the grace that we've been given in Jesus, we're going to have hope. We know the grace we've been given, we're gonna have hope. And So maybe um, something in this story uh, reminds me of your life a little bit. And um, today is a day to remember you can give yourself a little bit of grace because Jesus has given you more grace than you could ever know. Uh, That really is what it comes down to for the story of hope. I don't know if Easter is everyone's favorite holiday, but I know it's my wife's favorite holiday. And I know it's her favorite holiday because I think of one reason. And you probably pretty much just heard most of it. It represents hope like no other day of the year. Uh, Hope is really what Easter is all about. And there's two parts of Jesus that we see in the Easter story that I think can give us hope in a way that I want to just take a few minutes today to highlight. The first part of Jesus that gives us hope is His grace. And we see it uh, throughout His whole life, but particularly so in the story of Easter. I'm guessing that a lot of you are are spending a lot more time with your kids than you probably ever have. The blessing of the stay-at-home order is that we get to spend so much time with our families. The curse of the stay-at-home order is that we get to spend so much time with our families. How many of you parents out there feel like your kids, you know, they're, they're around and you've become this broken record? You know, Kids, do your online homework. No, you can't watch a show. No, you can't play on your phone right now. You need to take a shower because you smell awful. It literally goes on and on. And I tell my kids things and it's, it's as if they'd never heard me sometimes. I've, I've played this game with all four of my girls as they've grown up and it's a game that we call jail. It's really just me running around and catching them and throwing them on my bed, which is the jail, and they never stay in the jail because um, then I, I chase them again and I yell things really loudly. The other day I was, I was yelling back up to my wife over and over again because I needed police help in the game. I needed some backup and she never listened to me. And it was... It was frustrating. But this game that I play with my girls, this game drains me. I almost kind of hate playing it, and I hate to admit that, but my youngest two, man, they ask to play it right now every single day. And I say no every single day, but they keep on asking over and over, and it's like they forget that I said no a minute ago. But they keep asking, and eventually I give in. The one thing that Jesus, uh, about Jesus walking out of the grave, coming back to life, one thing about that that I find so amazing is that he told his closest followers, his best friends, over and over and over again that he was going to do that very thing. In the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they each record three specific times when Jesus predicted uh, to that closest group of his followers that he was going to die, and that he would be raised on the third day. And it happened over and over again. He would tell him, but it's as if his friends, they weren't listening. And so it's all the more fascinating to see the reaction when Jesus isn't in that grave after three days. Mary Magdalene's actually the first one. She, she comes to find that this grave is empty. And guess what is not her first thought? She doesn't assume that Jesus walked out of the grave. <laughs> Now, listen to what she actually tells Peter in John 20, verse 2. She says, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. Her first assumption isn't, oh my, I remember Jesus telling us that he was going to raise up on the third day, and it's the third day, and he's not in the grave, he must be alive. No, that's, that's not what her first assumption was. Her first assumption is that somebody took his body and hid it. That's actually maybe the the least logical thing that she could have thought. The people who didn't like Jesus, they didn't want to move his body. They actually posted guards at the tomb so that no one would move that body. And Jesus' enemies didn't want any kind of stories going around that Jesus walked out of the grave. So what happens when I tell my kids things a bunch of times and they still never get it? When they keep asking over and over again, what do I do? It's probably the same thing that you guys do. I get annoyed, sometimes I yell, I'm not usually all that gracious. But how did Jesus respond to Mary about something that he had told her so many times before? He responded probably exactly how you would expect him to respond. In John 20 verses 11 through 13, it says, Now Mary stood outside the tomb, crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, "'Woman, why are you crying?' "'They've taken my Lord away,' she said, "'and I don't know where they've put him.'" (sighs) Mary, don't you almost start to feel bad for her right now? Mary, there's two dudes dressed in white sitting where Jesus had been. They're angels, girl. (laughs) But she doesn't see it. And so then it gets even worse. In John 20, verses 14 and 15, It says, at this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking that he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I'll get him. Mary. (laughs) If you didn't feel bad for her before, hopefully you probably do now. Jesus is now talking to her. And she thinks that he's a gardener. If this were anybody but Jesus, Mary would probably be getting one of those slaps upside the head right about now. But here's the thing. Jesus isn't like you and I. Jesus didn't die so that he could hold things over on you. Jesus didn't die so that he could embarrass you for who you've always been. Jesus didn't die so that he could act frustrated with you every time that you didn't understand what he was trying to do with your your life. Jesus died so that he could show you what grace really looks like. Jesus rose from the dead to prove to you that his grace really does get to win out for all time. Jesus didn't respond to Mary like you and I respond to our kids when they don't figure out what is painfully obvious to us and what should be painfully obvious to them. My response usually causes my kids to back away from me. My annoyance With them does the opposite of what grace would do. But listen to what happens here, because it's it's a story of grace that happens over and over again with Jesus and with his followers who should have known better but they didn't. John chapter twenty verses sixteen and seventeen. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and she cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. And Jesus said, Don't hold on to me, for I've not yet ascended to the Father. When Jesus lovingly and softly calls Mary by her name, he didn't, add, <laughs> he didn't add the middle name in there where you know that he must be angry, you know, when you get called by your middle name. When he calls her by her name, she, she doesn't run away from Jesus in fear and shame, but she turns, she runs to Jesus. She turns to him with such a passion that he has to ask her not to actually hold on to her for the, him for the time being. The risen Jesus is calling your name, not in annoyance, not to call you out in front of everybody. He is not middle naming you. He's not looking at me and being like, Kellen Lee, what's up? He's simply calling my name with all the affection that I could possibly hope for. Now you maybe haven't always listened to God. Maybe you haven't listened to his voice in your life. Maybe you have done anything but listen to God's voice. But even the closest followers of Jesus didn't hear things right. They got confused and they believed wrong things about him. They messed up and thought more about their own personal lives and and, and about themselves than about advancing the kingdom of God. But that never stopped Jesus from giving them the grace that they so desperately needed. Have you lost hope today because you feel like grace is something that you could never be good enough for? It's time to start giving yourself some grace, like my wife talked about earlier. Give yourself a little grace today because you could never match the amount of grace that Jesus himself is offering to you right now. Jesus died to show you how much he loves you. And he rose again to offer you grace and forgiveness as he proved that he is victorious over all sin and all death. If you think that Jesus came back to life for any other reason than to call you by name to be his own, then you've actually misunderstood his heart for you. There's nothing that he wants to do more than to show you grace. We're about to share with you another story of hope. Uh, I asked Julia Brooks if she would uh, share her story of hope with you today. Um, so we got on Zoom earlier this week because uh, we, we can't all be around each other if we're not family. And so um, got a little interview with her on Zoom. Uh, her husband is Kyle. Uh, They both are up on the platform at Central Janesville quite a bit with worship stuff. Um, They got three little boys, uh, just a really cool family. And so I wanted Julia to have an opportunity to just share her story with you. Uh, Julia, could you talk to us a little bit uh, just about what the last year of your life has looked like?
2: Sure. Um, It started at the beginning of last year when we lost my mother very suddenly in a a very traumatic and sort of drawn out way and then a few weeks later um, we found out that we were going to be having another baby and processing through all those emotions i also found out that i also have the same disease that we lost my mother to complicating the pregnancy so it was just not it was hard to enjoy the, the pregnancy and that whole journey i spent a lot of time in and out of clinics and seeing specialists and the whole the whole birth was just everything was decided for me we had a healthy little boy he's just sweet as can be and that all went fine but um it's been very turbulent year trying to keep hopes up and um are keep my eyes fixed on the right things when i'm in valleys
0: See, this is what i love about julia everybody she has the ability to smile <laughs> even <laughs> when life has been super tough um talk to me maybe a little bit talk to us about um uh, obviously you you went through just hard moments uh, moments where i'm sure you were frustrated angry upset what what did you What did you lean on in those times where you just had to be raw with god
2: i spent a lot of time in just worship in my home just had encouraging music on and i would use my bible app and have them read through this i found a lot of um healing in the psalms in one specific one i just it just really touched my soul and i kept coming back to it i Probably every day for several months, I would at least read this summer or have it read to me with my app, with whatever else I was going to be reading that day.
0: Why don't you just share with us uh, before I let you go here? Uh, what is it that? What's that thing that uh, just allowed you to keep hope in the person of Jesus through this last year that you've gone through?
2: It just comes down mostly to. He was a man, and he suffered, and I just knew and could feel that with everything that he went through at the cross and just being betrayed by his friends, closest friends, I knew I wasn't alone. I knew I didn't really have to know the words to express to him what I was feeling or where I was, any doubts I may have had or pain, anger. I just knew that and felt that he knew exactly what I was feeling and, and that he was with me the whole time.
0: That's cool. I really appreciate you taking the time to, to share your story, your testimony at oh, home. Thanks, Julia. Julia's story is part of the story of having to face the loss of death. And there's something so final about death. And death is something that really we experience in so many ways. Uh, the death of a friendship, the death of a job, the death of our favorite show on television. I don't care care how many seasons there were of the show 24, they never should have stopped creating new seasons for that show. Never should have. And what's hardest about death is trying to find hope in the midst of death. Uh, How do we live in hope when life around us feels like there just isn't any hope? How do we have hope when we aren't experiencing life? We talked for a few minutes a little while ago here about the the hope that Jesus's grace at Easter brings us and I want to take uh, just a few minutes now to talk about the hope that the resurrection actually itself brings us at Easter. Uh, one of the things I've been trying to do during this time of quarantine and staying at home, uh, I've been trying to read more and watch TV a little bit less. And I, a number of years ago I had read through the Lord of the Rings and So then a few years back i started reading through the books again and i went through the first two books and then i kind of got away from it and so i've taken it back up and i've gotten absolutely sucked into this final book again and if you know anything about the story um it's this i'm in that part where frodo and sam they're kind of trying to get through the enemy's land of mordor trying to get this one ring of power that's in frodo's possession and they're trying to take it to this place called mount doom to destroy it and if they can Finally destroy it, it's going to destroy the enemy. And I've been sucked into how utterly hopeless Frodo, in the midst of all this, he's just, he's so hopeless trying to get through Mordor with this ring. And Frodo, who's actually the hero of the story, according to most people, he sounds like a whiner half the time. And his friend Sam is actually the one who gives him hope. He suggests uh, this route that they should go. And so Frodo's response was usually something like, well... I guess we're, we're, I can't imagine we're gonna make it very far. So let's just try our luck until it runs out. And if it weren't for his friend, Sam, and his incredibly hopeful demeanor, I don't think there's any way that Frodo actually makes it through the enemy's territory to complete his world saving task of getting rid of this ring. And there's one part in particular at the end of this amazing tale where Frodo and Sam, they're trying to decide the best route that they should take through this dangerous forsaken land And Sam actually says to his friend, we we must take the road. We we must take it. We must chance our luck. And if there's any luck in Mordor, we've got to make a dash for it. And I want you to hear how Frodo replies. He says, all right, Sam, lead me. As long as you've got any hope left, mine is gone. But I can't dash, Sam. I'll just plod along after you see frodo in this story had become hopeless he was done he honestly felt like there was no way that he was going to live through this thing that he was going to see this ring be destroyed he had no vision of life only of death and this easter i think might be actually one of those times where you might be feeling different than any other easters have felt (laughs) there's there's probably a good number of you that you feel a little bit like Frodo. Your hope is gone. You don't feel like you have the energy to dash anymore. All you can do is just plod along. And you just, you don't know if you can find life anymore. Maybe you feel like the Sams in your life are nowhere to be found. Those people, those friends who kind of give you hope and energy to look forward to another day. Now all you've got to see a picture of their face on a screen sometimes. we all, we've talked about uh, how jesus closest followers didn't get always get what he was trying to tell them about how he was going to die and come back to life to them when jesus died it was as if all hope had ended it was the end of a dream it was the end of their hope and as long as jesus had breath in his lungs they felt that there was hope but when he breathed his last it was as though they went into total despair And I think here's what's worth thinking about and realizing today on Easter. If Jesus had died and stayed dead, there wouldn't be any hope in this story. It wouldn't be a story of hope. The greatest story of hope that we find in Jesus is the story of a resurrected life. It's a story of death being defeated forever. And Why do you think it is that Americans love redemption stories so much? It's because we are overcome with this sense of hope. That when someone is rescued from the grip of death to experience new life, something comes over us. Now, when a drug addict finds victory over this ongoing abuse, there's, there's a hope for a new future for him or for her. When the, the team that's always been the pathetic loser finally starts to win, excitement floods the fan base. Unless you are a fan of the Vikings, we don't ever get too excited. When a sick patient finally makes this miraculous recovery, it's as if the whole hospital staff has their spirits uplifted. We all need to see and to witness life in order to not be overcome with a sense of everything is hopeless. Thomas is one of Jesus' followers who had actually lost all hope when Jesus died. Uh, life kind of just seemed to be drained of all the purpose that existed just days before. And so Thomas, kind of he's kind of one of these guys that always seemed to see the negative things. Uh, one time, uh, when Jesus' friend Lazarus had died, Jesus decided that he was going to go to Lazarus' home just a few days afterwards. But what it meant is, it meant that they were going to be going where people had tried to kill Jesus just a few days before. And and Thomas uh, kind of showed some courage, but he also showed his negative side, and he just kind of told all of his buddies, "All right, let's let's go with him. Let's let's go die with him." And so it's no surprise that when the other disciples come to Thomas and they tell him, hey, we've seen the risen Jesus. Thomas couldn't believe it. And here's what he actually told him. In John 20, verse 25, he said, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and I put my hand in his side, I will not believe. And so a week later, Jesus appears to them all and he let Thomas actually reach in and feel the holes that Jesus had experienced while he was on the cross. And I love what Thomas' reaction is. Thomas' reaction is the kind of reaction of hope that it it comes only when life overcomes death. When resurrection restores, all that was once thought was lost. And Thomas shouts out in that moment, he goes, my Lord and my God. You see, Jesus had finally delivered the kind of hope that Thomas was looking for all along. It was the kind of hope that Thomas realized could bring life into any of the darkened corners of someone's life. if Jesus could die, taking away all of our sin with him, and then rise from death, there was now nothing that could be so wrong with the world that it would ever be able to cast a cloud over the hope that Jesus can, can offer. See, Thomas was forever changed in that instant. Have you ever been overcome by the total transformation of hope that Jesus's life offers you, that his resurrected life can offer you? you're gonna still find at times, you're gonna experience uh, some of the effects of sin and death in your life. There's no no doubt about that, but death no longer has a hold on you because of the resurrection of Jesus. No sense of loss can cast a shadow over the the greater victory that Jesus provides for us. And it says in 1 Corinthians 15, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, Jesus' resurrected life doesn't just bring victory for something that exists in our eternal future. Jesus' resurrected life changes everything right now, in the present moment. It's the reason that Julia could experience the loss of her mother and still have hope in this world. It's the reason that you can make mistakes and not have to look at those mistakes and be forever tied to those mistakes. You see, Jesus can bring life from any kind of death that you experience. He proved it in the resurrection. And as that verse we just read says, he gives us victory over sin and death. Today, are you in need of an injection of the life that Jesus offers? Do you feel like maybe you found yourself wading through this feeling that there's nothing worth placing your hope in? Or maybe you have hope, you know that Jesus is worthy of hope, but there's like something that's just failing to grab a hold of you on a consistent basis. Josh, right now, is going to lead us in a final song. And the song this morning is called Run to the Father. And the Father knew what he was doing all along when he sent Jesus for us. He knew that when everyone else thought everything was lost, when the Savior of the world had died on that cross, the Father knew that a better day was coming. For you, no matter what you're experiencing today, you have a victory in Jesus that is 100% absolutely secure. There is a hope in the power of the resurrection for your life today. Thank you for listening to today's podcast from Central and Janesville. Be sure to subscribe to the Central and Janesville podcast to keep up to date with each of our teachings. Thanks.